Well, I want to say thank you for allowing me to be here today. Uh, I spent 10 years just down the road from you guys, uh, from the year 2009 until 2019 over at Cyprus, and I was able to, uh, look at all this space I have over here. I can come over here and talk. The camera guys are going to be like, just stay where you are, okay? Just stay where you are. Um, but I've been down the road, and, uh, and I've had the privilege of doing several things, you know, uh, with this church. I always enjoyed when I was doing youth ministry, um, us being together and uh, being able to go and do things like Fields of Faith together and, and all of those things. And uh, I just want you guys to know it is a, an encouragement to know that this church sits right here uh, in Benton, America, because I don't know if you guys are aware, but Benton needs the gospel. Benton needs the gospel. And look, look, it's easy for me to sit here and go, this is the Bible Belt. New York needs the gospel. But the truth is, is that (laughs) Benton needs the gospel. There are a lot of people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And look, I'm I'm excited to be here, and I want you guys to know that it's an honor. Uh, I know for a fact that I don't let just anybody get up and take my spot in the pulpit. Uh, Unless it's somebody that I know is not going to screw everything up and uh, is actually going to be a benefit to the hearers. And so I've got someone preaching for me later today and uh, whom I trust very well. And so just know that letting me come up here, uh, I I understand that it's a trust thing and it's a belief thing and it's a joy to be here. And especially as you guys are celebrating 140 years of existence. 140 years. Look, our church is four and a half years old. We got a long way to go before we get to where you guys are, but Lord willing, we will. But uh, I want to say to you guys that it's amazing, and it's a testimony to the people who are here now and those who have come before you that 140 years have gone by. But most of all, it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Most of all, it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God in your church. And I want you guys to understand that. And and I want to give God the ultimate glory for his faithfulness and what he's done here over the last 140 years. But, But I want you guys to hear something. God deserves the glory, okay? But I want you guys to hear something. God's will and design to accomplish all that he's accomplished has been to use you. That's how he's done it. I don't want you to receive glory for anything. I don't want people who have come before you guys to receive glory for anything. I want God to receive the glory, but what I want you to understand is that he's used you to get there. He has used you to get there. I want you to think about all that's been accomplished over the last 140 years. This church has discipled countless people. There's no telling how many people this church over the last 140 years has discipled. It has deepened the faith of countless people. Raise your hand if you fall into any of these categories. Yeah. It has strengthened people's trust in the Lord. It has encouraged people. It has challenged people. But the greatest thing of all is that God has used the people in this church to bring countless people from death to life. That's what matters. That's what matters. In fact, there have been, I asked Brother Doyle, I said, how many people do you think have come to know the Lord in the last 140 years? 
That's a hard question to ask, because how do you count that, right? And he said, well, you know what? He said, all we know is we've, we started taking a real, like, good record since 2012. And you know how many people have come to faith since just 2012? That's 11 years. 999. And I'm not a perfectionist, and I don't have OCD, but somebody got to get saved today, okay? <laughs> because, because 999, I mean, somebody here, the Lord has just spoken to your heart, thousand, all right? I don't know, but that's you, okay? But he's used, he's used this church to reconcile broken relationships between people and their God. He's used it. How many people, think about this, are walking in the presence of God right now on streets of gold, walking in untold and imaginable beauty right now because of the obedience and the faithfulness of people in this church to share the gospel? How many people? Countless, countless people. And I was surprised and I was honored whenever Brother Doyle asked me to come and, uh, and to preach, and he said that he was praying through uh, who, who would come during this time, this 140 years, and, and, uh, and he said he was, he was on a walk, and he said the Lord just impressed on uh, his heart uh, to call me and to ask me if I would be willing to come. That's a big deal to me. And, uh, and I said, okay, let's make this happen. And then I did. I asked him, I said, what, is there anything you want me to preach on, anything specific? He said, that's your job. <laughs> like, he did his job hearing from the Lord was me. That's all he needed to do. Now it was my job to hear from the Lord about what I'm supposed to speak to you guys today. And let me tell you something. I'm not recycling a message today. All right? I didn't, I didn't dig in and go, okay, you know, what, what can I use? Guys, I, I prayed and prayed and prayed, and I said, God, please. Give me a word for this specific church at this specific time in this specific moment. So what I believe is, what I believe is, is that God has a word for you guys today. Specific. A special word for you all today. And I pray so much that he uses what I'm going to say. Because while there was a great work in the past, there's still a great work to be done in the future. Church, I'm here to remind you that while this church stands on the shoulders of giants, the future of this church stands on yours, stands on your shoulders. And while we're thankful for those who are, you are coming before those who are coming. And that's something we need to remember. And I want you guys to understand that this church does not stand on the shoulders of Brother Doyle. Miss Moraria doesn't, doesn't, doesn't stand on the shoulders of the Sunday school teachers and the leaders. The future of the church stands on you. Every single person that is a part of this church, the future stands on your shoulders. And so today I want to remind you, church, of the privilege we have been given by God to steward the greatest treasure and gift the world has ever seen, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not used to this feedback while I'm preaching. It's messing me up in my head. I'm used to looking at cold faces and things. So y'all distracting me, quit. I'm just kidding. No, keep that coming, all right? Because 
look, he probably thinks he's the best preacher in the world, <laughs> all right? <laughs> I believe it right now, too, so keep, keep, keep it coming, okay? So our text for today is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 18. Uh, well, it's going to be a little bit longer than that, but I want to look at 17 and 18a real quick. But while you're turning there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God is a giver of good gifts? Look, that was too fast. You didn't think about it hard enough. Okay? Look, I know we got knee-jerk reactions in church. We say, God is good, and people say, all the time. I know. Well, God is good. See? Okay. But, hey, let me ask you this question, and I want you to wait five seconds before you say amen. Is God a giver? Because you need to believe this. Some of you said yes, and maybe you're in a moment right now you don't believe that. Is God a giver of good gifts? And I said five seconds. Okay. He is. He is. He's a giver of good gifts. And, 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 and my goal here is today, today is to remind us of two gifts the Lord has given us. That's what I've titled this sermon today is two gifts. I want you guys to remember two gifts that the Lord has given us. Here's what I want to read first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, A, the first half of 18. Here's the first gift. This means, here's what it says, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a what? Gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, who reconciled us through Christ. That's gift number one. Write it down if you're taking notes. The gift, of one, gift number one is the gift of salvation. The gift of being reconciled to God. The word reconcile means to mend something that's been broken. Specifically in a relationship. You guys have been through maybe broken relationships before. Maybe you've gone through a relationship that took some while, took a while to get to be reconciled. Maybe it was something that was reconciled. Every single person on the face of the planet has a broken relationship with their creator. And what broke that relationship was sin. Listen, I talk to people all the time. How long have you been a Christian? Well, I've been a Christian my whole life. No, you haven't. That's not true. You can't be a Christian your whole entire life. You've been a sinner your whole entire life. And that needs fixing. That needs, you've been at odds with your creator most of your life until there's a moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ. Until there is a moment that you decide, God, I think about sin the same way you think about sin. I see how damaging it is. I see what it's done in my own life, but more than that, I've seen what it's done in my relationship with you. And it has broken that relationship. And God, I need reconciliation with you. And God said, you got it. You got it. Through Jesus Christ, I'm going to reconcile. You couldn't do anything to reconcile your relationship. I heard somebody say one time, the only thing you contributed to your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Contribute anything to your salvation. It had to be God who was going to fix the broken relationship. And that's what he did through 
Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 to 22. I want you to hear this. This is what it says. It says, for God in all his fullness. This is Colossians 1, 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through who? Christ. Through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes, is what he goes on to say, this includes you who were once far away from God. Raise your hand if you were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Whoa, that's strong language. Separated from him by what? It says your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. Through the death of Christ in his physical body, and as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. What does that mean? It means that he's brought us back to himself. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Through Christ, God has reconciled everything to himself. Do you hear that? Because there may be somebody in this room right now. You don't even know it. Because no one's told you, but your relationship with God is broken. There is a gap between you and him. And what he has done is he has separated himself from you because of the sin in your life. You have separated yourself from him. And there might be somebody in this room right now when they're going, oh, I think I've been a Christian my whole life. Why? Because you came to church? Because you grew up in church? Because you're here now? Because you believe in God, the Bible says the demons believe in God. Guys, it's more than that. There, ha- there is a broken relationship that needs to be fixed. And it's not until a person looks at God and says, God, thank you. God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a Savior. And I know that I can't fix the broken relationship that, I, that exists between you and I. I need to be reconciled to you, God. And you look at Jesus Christ on the cross and you say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for taking my punishment. Thank you for giving me your perfection and taking upon yourself my imperfection. Thank you for exchanging your righteousness for my unrighteousness. That's the moment that we're reconciled to God. When that is your attitude towards Christ and towards sin. And that is a beautiful gift that God has given us. And we love that gift, right? We love that gift. That's our favorite gift. Out of all the gifts God has ever given, number one is our salvation. God for saving me because with with that we need nothing else. All right? It's an amazing gift. It's a gift above all gifts, a gift that gives us hope for the future. It's what gives us purpose and meaning and peace. It's a gift that when all else seems to be failing around us, we can still hold on to the fact that our relationship with God is reconciled. But church, I said there were two gifts in the passage, and we're going to camp out on this second one for a good while because the future of your church depends on it. Let me ask you a question. Is God the giver of good gifts? Does God give us a gift that will destroy us? No. 
Does God give us a gift that will ruin our lives? No. Does God give us a gift that will not ultimately be for our good? No. So I want to show you the rest of this passage in 2 Corinthians. And it says in the rest of verse B, or in the rest of 18, in verse 20, it says this, And God has given us. So he's given us reconciliation. He's given us salvation. But here's the second gift that he's given us. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Gift number two, church, I want to remind us of the wonderful gift that is the task and the privilege of being a part of reconciling people to God. The first gift is the reconciliation we have between us and God. The second gift God has given us is the task of reconciling people to God. Not many amens there. And that's okay. That's why I'm here. Why am I presenting it this way? I think because for many Christians, we don't see that task as a gift. In a recent study done by an organization called Lifeway, across our nation, 78% of people who are Christians, evangelical Christians, say they haven't shared their faith in the last six months. 78%. I think for many, we don't see the task of reconciliation. We don't see the task of going and sharing the gospel. We don't see the task as a gift. You know what I think we see it as? A chore. I think we see it as a chore. And I, I am praying that the Lord uses me today to change our minds on that. It's like God just told us to go unload the dishwasher when we read that. That's what it's like. You're like, fine, I'll go and do it, right? When I was a kid, um, when I was a kid, we, we, we did this thing called stay at home by ourselves. Like, I grew up, a uh, single father house is where I grew up, and my dad had a job. And so uh, he would obviously, uh, you know, whenever we got home from school, we'd be there until he got home from work. But in the summertime, you didn't get nannies. We didn't get, like, you didn't go to, like, a daycare. It was just like, good luck, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm at the house with my brother. We're 14 months apart. We fight like crazy, best friends, but fought like crazy as well. But when my dad left in the summertime, uh, and he would, go, he would go to work. He gave us something called chores to do. And we didn't get paid for it. There was no allowance. Well, there was. He's like, I will allow you to live here. That's what that was. But he would give us chores. One of those chores was unloading the dishwasher. Now, let me ask you a question. My dad go to work. I wake up. Do you think the first thing I did was, let's go unload the dishwasher? He gave us chores. Let's go do the chores. No. 
Do you think that it was around like noon and I looked at my brother and went, no, you know, when we unloaded the dishwasher, when we heard the garage open, that's whenever, and we would run to the dishwasher and we're full, everything's flying around the house, put it where it goes, put things back in the dishwasher. That's what happened. We shot up guys. I, I see so many people treat the gift of sharing the gospel that way. We hear Jesus' words in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which says, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and listen, that Jesus wasn't saying this like my dad was saying this when he left for work. Jesus was saying, go. You know, I'm going to give you the gift. Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I've commanded. We take that scripture that we just read in 2 Corinthians. It says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. You can hear the excitement in Paul's voice. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And what some of us do is we walk right out of church and and we instead do all the other things that we got to do. We do all the other things that we would rather do. And when we have time, we'll share the gospel. When it's convenient, we'll share the gospel. I wonder what it will be like at the trumpet blast of Christ's return. I just picture a bunch of people like me and my brother. We hear the trumpet, and all of a sudden we're like, ah, like get to somebody. So as I was saying, geez, I'm just sharing the gospel with this guy right now. Jesus, hold on one second. I'm just, this is what I was doing the whole time. I was doing this the whole time. Because, because we all of a sudden know that. I mean, that's what we were supposed to do. That's what we were tasked to do. But guys, do you believe God is a giver of good gifts? Do you believe he loves us? Do you know that he loves us more than you've ever loved in your entire life? Do you believe that he is all wise and all knowing? Do you believe that he knows you and I better than we know ourselves and knows what will bring us fulfillment and joy better than we do? Then listen to this. God God could have chosen any other way to get his gospel out. Our good and loving father could have chosen any other way. We all could have, we could, we could all have a testimony of, yeah, I went to bed one night and I had this dream. And in this dream, the whole gospel was explained to me and I gave my life to Christ. We could have said, I went into this trance and the whole gospel was given to me. I was, I was sitting in my house and all of a sudden something started to be written on the walls and it was the gospel and I gave my life to Christ. Like, that could be our testimony. God could, have, God could have given the gospel to us and everyone else in any way possible. But do you know what our amazing, loving, all-knowing, incredibly good, gift-giving God decided to do? Is he looked at his children, who he loves more than anything, and he said, you know what I'm going to give them the gift of? Sharing the gospel. I could have done it any other way. But I'm going to gift it to them. I'm going to give it to them. They're going to be the ones that have the privilege of going 
and sharing because I love them so much. I'm going to give them the message of salvation. And they're going to get to share it. But why don't we see it as the gift that it is? There's a video of me uh, when I was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Um, and it's, it's Christmas time. We lived in Texas at that moment, so my accent was awesome. And, uh, and I'm opening gifts, you know, and, and, and I can't remember. It, it, that's, that's back when Nintendo was a thing, okay? I'm sharing my age here on, yeah. But that's when Nintendo was a thing. And, uh, and so I wanted all the Nintendo games I could get, right? Well, there were specific ones that I wanted, and there's one that I opened up. I don't even remember what it was now. All I remember is my voice, because I was like, it's what I always wanted. That was my seven-year-old voice whenever we lived in Texas. And I'm just so excited. I'm, like, ripping through paper, and everybody's like, yay. And then, you know, in our family, we did Christmas Eve. We opened gifts, like, as a, as a family and an extended family. So all the aunts and uncles are there, everything. So we're going around the circle. Everybody's opening their gifts on this video camera. Then it comes back around to me again. Aunt uh, had, had bought me a, a, another game. And, uh, and I opened that game up on camera. And I said, this isn't what I wanted. Why my parents didn't rip me up right there in that very moment and right on the blessed assurance. I have no idea. But, but in that moment, that was my attitude towards that gift. And I think sometimes that illustrates how so many in my experience picture God's two gifts. We read about two gifts God has given us. And the first one, salvation, we open it up and we're like, it's what I always wanted. It's everything that I wanted. And then we open up the task of sharing the gospel, and so many of us go, I was kind of hoping for something else. Kind of hoping for something else. But you know what? For those who have shared their faith, I've never met one person who walked away from that experience going, shouldn't have done that. Well, that was a waste of time. Rather be doing something else. If you've shared your, if you've shared your faith with someone, you know what it's like after you walk away from that. <laughs> you know how joyful you are. You know what a rush that is. You know how energized you are after you walk away from doing that. You know why people come back from mission trips jacked? It's because they started using the second gift. The first gift, we're saved. The second gift, I, God, I'm telling you guys, God is a giver of good gifts. And he gave us the gift of reconciliation for other people. And whenever we go and we go and we share and we're on a mission trip and we're just walking around and we're in conversations with people and we get to share our faith, whether they come to faith in Christ or not, you walk away feeling like a million bucks. You, walk, you go back together and you meet together and you talk about story after story after story about how God has used you and about what he did and a conversation that was had. Guys, that's supposed to be life. That's not supposed to be a week of life. That is supposed to be our entire life is using that gift. 
And, and, and let me just share a personal testimony. If you're wondering how I can speak to this so well, it's because, and it's confession time. It wasn't until about four and a half years ago when I moved to New York City that the task of sharing the gospel went from being a chore to a cherished gift. That's crazy, isn't it? I served on staff at a church for how long, and I saw, the, I saw sharing the gospel as a chore. And it wasn't until I moved to New York, and I actually started using the gift that God gave me that I started to understand truly what a gift it was. And that's why I can stand here in front of you right now, because some of you were sitting in my shoes four and a half years ago. And you're like, look, I know it's what I'm supposed to do. I come to church and they tell me, it's in your mission statement. It's the end of it. Did you, you say it every week. And most of y'all are liars. 78%, all right? 78%. Look, I can say all this because he can't. He's got to see you again next week. <laughs> I, I, I can say all this, okay? The worst you'll do is not come on a mission trip, all right? Because you didn't like that guy. Okay, no, but guys, it's part. It, why is that a part of your mission statement? Because that's part of God's mission statement. It's part of God's mission statement for your life. And look, sure, I've been rejected more than not. Look, I live in New York City. You think people are just like, tell me about the gospel? No, <laughs> not at all. I've been rejected more than not. But even the rejection, it was a privilege. And those who haven't rejected, you want to talk about a good time. <laughs> those who haven't rejected. I want to tell you guys just a quick story about a guy named DeMario who's been coming to our church. DeMario, 6'6", six, six, uh, the dude was, was, uh, went into the NBA draft, got to work out with the Lakers, didn't actually get to like play, but, but he's been a baller his whole life. He was sitting in the park, those of you that have, have, have been, Prospect Park, the huge park that's by our, our neighborhood, by our apartment, sitting in the park. DeMario was out there because he was at his wit's end. And he was sitting there. Do you know why? Because his life was falling apart. He couldn't figure anything out, but he remembered that he went to church as a kid. And so, and so he just started a, a journey to try to find God again. And he read some books about meditation, and somebody had told him, all you need to do is go out by yourself, get alone, and speak to yourself, and then you will find God. Now, we all know that's a lie, but we also know God can use literally anything. DeMario's sitting out there just for the first time, and he's like, ah, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to speak to myself. And at the same time, here's what the Lord was working on our hearts. Hey, why don't we try this new outreach thing? Why don't we take some bottles of water? It's the summertime. Why don't we take some bottles of water? And why don't we just disperse across the park? And let's go see if there's anyone who's sitting on a bench or sitting out by themselves. If you come across somebody, just, just open it up and say, hey, uh, we're passing out bottles of water. We're with the church. Um, would you like a bottle of water? No strings attached. Would you like a bottle of water? Wouldn't it just happen that the day DeMario is out there trying to find God is the first day we're out there doing this outreach? 
And one of our guys walks up to him and says, hey, I'm from a church. He said, no, you're not. <laughs> he said, I am. And, uh, and so he just started asking questions. And the, the kid who was a college intern who was there at the moment just began to talk to him about faith. He, he began to, to talk to him about our church. And let me, let me tell you about God for a second. Because the next day, right, so Austin comes back and he's like, I talked to this guy named Demario, and uh, let me just tell you about it. He said he was going to come to church. Well, a lot of people say they're going to come to church, and most of them don't. So I said, you know what, we'll see what God does. You know, we'll remain hopeful in this. So we're all, the next day, they went out and did the same thing again. We're all afterwards debriefing about it. And there's this six, six guy who I've never seen before walk around the corner and he yells, pastor. And I was like, who are you? Because I wasn't with Austin. And he said, hey, I've seen you uh, on your website. And I was like, no kidding. And he said, yeah, I was out here yesterday and they were passing out bottles of water. And I met a guy named Austin. As soon as he said it, he looked over and saw Austin. He goes, that guy right there. I met that guy. He said, hey, I'm coming to church on Sunday. I said, come on, Demario, come to church. He came to church every Sunday for the past three months. He's coming now to Bible study on Wednesdays. We're sitting and we're talking about things. Demario got a lot of pieces of the puzzle. He even got some wrong pieces of the puzzle. And he's trying to put them all together. All right? And I'm sitting here listening to him, listening to his story, getting to know him more. He thinks he's a Christian because he grew up in church. And I'm talking to him. And I let him share his testimony. And, and then DeMario says, hey, can, can this past week, he said, can we go out um, for, uh, for coffee on Thursday? I just want to talk about, I have some questions about God. Sure, let's do it. My heart was like, Greg, now it's time to share the gospel with DeMario. Friday, Saturday. Three days ago, DeMario gave his life to Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you think I walked away from that and went, such a bore? Or do you think I walked away from that in tears and in joy for what God's doing? Somebody just went from death to life forever. Not just here on earth, although here on earth, but in eternity as well. What a gift. God could, have, God could have shared the gospel with tomorrow any way he wanted to, but he said, you know what, so much, I'm going to let you do it. I love you so much, I'm going to let you do that. I get to experience the blessing of leading someone to Jesus. I get to experience the blessing of sharing my faith with someone else. And guys, look, I'm a practical person, so I want to make things practical for you because a lot of times we approach, because I can sit up here and go, so let's get out there and share our faith, and you're going to walk out and go, How? right? Like, how do I do that? I, I think a lot of times we put a, a lot of pressure on ourselves, okay? Because in our minds, all right, I mean, we have all of these really great things like the Roman road, and, you know, we learn, like, what that means and being able to walk through salvation with somebody. You know, we learn this thing called three circles. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that before, but that's another evangelism tool. Like, we even make, like, Rubik's cubes that unfold, and it's like, Jesus, right? I don't know if y'all have seen those before. Right? We got all these kinds of ways, but what we've made it is a program. We've made sharing the gospel a program. And now we're all nervous because what if we say the wrong thing? 
Now, when I, if I said, let's get out there and share the gospel, and you all walk away, like in your minds, I wonder what you're thinking. Because for a lot of us, we think that we have the pressure of running into someone and trying to figure out some way to make the conversation go towards Jesus. And so then we start playing scenarios in our mind. And then we start sounding ridiculous. Because we'll say things like, whoo, man, it's hot. Yeah, you know what else is hot? Forever? That's weird. That's real weird. Like nobody wants to talk to that person. You're, you're, on a, you're on a plane with someone and you're sitting next to them. You're like, oh, that pastor told me it's a privilege to share the gospel. Okay. Do you know where you'd go if this plane went down? That's weird. Of course you don't want to talk like that because it's weird. There, I want to share with you guys, we have the privilege of sharing the gospel, but we don't have the pressure of leading someone to Christ. That's God. God changes the heart. We have the privilege of sharing the gospel, not the pressure of someone getting saved. That's on God. But here's the thing. We do have the privilege of opening our mouths and talking. And I want to share with you the easiest way that I've found to share the gospel with somebody. And not miss opportunities. Because, and it's something that I kind of have coined this term called Godding through life. Godding through life. G-O-D-D-I-N-G. Yes, if you try to type that in, there will be a red squiz. That's not a word. Godding through life. Your, your spell check will not know what to do with that. But here's what I think most of us do. We try to get through life. We don't try to God through life. Let me explain what I mean by that. Most of us, we just want to get to the end of the day. Most of us, we just want to get to the end of the week. Most of us, we just want to get to the end of the month. We just want to get to the next paycheck. We just want to get to the next vacation. We just want to get to retirement Then we just want to get, what's after that? Death. What have you done your whole life? You've just gotten through life to die. That's it. And what we do is we wake up in the morning and we go, okay, today is today. Look, just get through it. Just get through today. And what do you do? You walk into work and you're just like, okay, just, I mean, hi. Like you talk to people and you're like, but you don't really want to. You're just trying to get through the day because you're, I mean, really what you want to do is go home. Right. And so you're like, I just want to get through the day. And so, you know, you walk up to the water cooler and you were like, I thought I was going to do it. The coffee pot when nobody else was here, I, I scoped it out. No one was standing there. Who is this person next to me now? Now I feel like I have to, hi, talk to this person for a second. How are you? Good. Okay. Bye. Like go do your, and you're like, I just want to get to the next spot. Whenever you're at the grocery store and you're checking out and you're like, I just want to, I don't want to be here. I just want to get home. Yes, please. Thank you. Beep all the things and, and, and I'll pay and, and let me get home. And what we do is we try to get through life. Can I tell you something? You're missing every opportunity that God has put in your life to use the second gift. Because we're just getting through life. You know what godding through life looks like? You wake up in the morning and you don't go, I need to get 
to the end of the day by going through all of these things. What you understand is going through all of those things are the end. That's what you're there for. You're not there to get home. You're there right there. So whenever you stand at the coffee pot with somebody, we keep our heads down. I don't know if you guys have ever been to New York before, but if you're walking down the streets of New York, people do not have their heads up. They have their heads down, and they're staring at the sidewalk, and they're going. They keep their head down. Why? Because they're getting through. My wife made it her personal goal to keep her head up, to be walking down the street, and to smile at every person that walks by her. Look, in Manhattan, that's real hard, okay, because there's millions of people there. But in our neighborhood, because you just be like, ah, the whole time. But in our neighborhood, it's not as crowded. And so it's only, I think our neighborhood is only like 72,000 people. So it's a lot less. That's just our neighborhood. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but my wife said, and that's my personal goal is to smile at everybody. I'm going to keep my head up. I'm going to use that. I'm just going to smile at people. Because... Everybody else is just getting through life, but my wife said, I'm going to God through life. I may be trying to go to the laundromat. I may be trying to go to wherever, but I'm going to God through life. I'm going to go to that coffee pot in the morning at work, and I'm going to be standing there. And whoever God puts in my path right there, God put that person in my path right there. Not to get through, but to speak to, to say hello. And I'm not saying be awkward and weird. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying just start a conversation. How you doing? How was your weekend? Look, that may be as far as you got that time. What about the next time, though? You got any family? Cool. Remember their family. Hey, how's so-and-so doing? That's your wife, right? Guys, you see what's starting to happen? Before you know it, they all of a sudden... Wanna, they, they care about what you have to say. Because here's something that I promise. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Remember that. Care about people. Walk up, up to people. Have a conversation. The person checking you out at the grocery store. I mean, what are you going to do? They're, they're scanning your stuff. It's awkward to stand there and not say a thing. Just say, hey, how are you? How's your day going? And next time you're at the same grocery store, look for that person. Go to that person's line. I don't care if it's 15 deep. Go to that person's line because that's your mission. That's the gift you have been given is to go and to share with people. Guys, I want you to know, and I want you to see, and I want you to believe, but you're really not going to believe it until you do it. That sharing the gospel with people is a gift from God. We've been given our first gift, salvation. But I promise you, we have been given a great gift in being able to be ambassadors for the creator of the universe. Ministers of reconciliation. He's given that to us. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. I want to give us just a moment to deal with the Lord. Because here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want us to hear this, say amens, believe it, but then walk out this door because we need to get to the next thing. I want us to all right now 
deal with the Lord. I want us all to right now, not to walk out and forget everything that was just said, because God's been speaking to your heart about something. And if we don't respond now, then we'll walk out and we'll forget, because that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to walk out and forget everything you just heard. He wants this seed that's been scattered on your path today. He wants it to take a shallow root and burn up. He wants it to to just land on a rocky path and for a bird to come take it away, who is the devil himself. We're not going to let that happen today. We're all going together to take a couple of minutes. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to deal with the Lord. You're in here, maybe you've never received that first gift of salvation. Maybe you've been in church, you, 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 thought, you thought you were okay, but you're not. You've never repented of your sin. That means changed your mind. Think about sin the way God does. You've never done that. You've never said, God, I need, I need our, our relationship to be reconciled. Maybe that's you in this room. Maybe that you've already received that first gift. How are you seeing that second one? Is he laying that on your heart? Because maybe he's even laying people on your heart as, he's, as we've been talking about this. So I want us all just to bow our heads for a second. This is between you and God. Say, God, I hear you speaking to me, fill in the blank. And I want you to respond. Speak back to him.